When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Holly. Hey, Dave. How are you today? I'm great today. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Thank you. Welcome to the What Difference Does It Make podcast. So happy to be here. We're going international again. (laughs) We are. Actually, this is the, is this the first time we're going international? As I'm looking at my countdown, I think, I believe we are talking to a number of international people. This is going to be the first one of your friends. This is an actual friend of yours. This is actually a friend of mine, someone I've known for many, many years, or paths have crossed uh, because of the radio business. His name is Chris Modig. We met when he was programming an MTG, a Rick's radio in Sweden. Radio people or music people may know him as Swedish Chris, which he will get into during the podcast. Should I say mix master? He is a mix master. Master of the mixes. We don't call him. Master of the mixes. We don't call him MC Swedish Chris, but uh, the stories we're going to hear are are really cool. So I want to remind people to leave a review. Reviews are extremely helpful to us. I know it's work. It's just extra. I'm bad at this too. I don't leave. Do you leave reviews, Holly? I have left reviews on podcast, not regularly, but if something strikes me, I will leave a review. Perfect. So if this podcast strikes you, Five stars. Like Joy B says with a headline, love it, exclamation mark. I love this podcast, four exclamation marks. So much fun. Two thumbs up. So thank you, Joy B. Here's another one. Says great stuff. Now with music, which we're doing now, right? Yep. This one, another five stars. One of my favorite podcasts just got better. Two exclamation marks. Why? Because they're playing music, exclamation mark. And yes, it makes a huge difference. Dave and Holly are two cool cats chatting about music, just like they're your friends. So thank you. Thank you for taking that extra step and giving us a review. And by the way, thank you. The, what My takeaway from that is, is that I'm a cool cat, which I never knew. So thank you. Indeed. And you too, Dave. Yeah, well, thank you. You are one cool cat. All right. Well, uh, two cool cats are getting into this next podcast with Swedish Chris. Let's get started right now on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Are those carts? Hold on a second. <laughs> Recognize the studio? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is it real or is it a backdrop? It's the old K-Rock studio in Pasadena. That's hilarious. No wonder I... <laughs> so I am seeing carts. I was like, wait, what, what's happening? <laughs> and there's a suicidal tendency sticker somewhere. I see too. that, yeah. 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 Where'd you get Where this? From. You're not actually. This, this, is, this is an old picture. I got it way back. It's uh, it's uh, from the internet somewhere. But I'm just gonna switch. Uh, let me see. Where do I do that? Oh, this is my studio. Uh, you know what? I not as impressive. I'm sorry. We're gonna have. All right. <laughs> the keyboard and guitars are those yours? Yes. They fired me from the radio station about ten years ago, and uh, I decided to um, to make my own studio. Uh, to make some more, more music. But I never got a, got around to that because they hired me back, you know, six months later. Uh, but now I have a studio. I can do whatever I want. Remixes, stuff, you know. I can even connect to our radio station and do it from here. 
And that's how you got your start, right? You were doing remixes for, for Power? No, no, no. I started, I came to LA, I was 16. I heard Swedish Eagle and K-Rock. So I called the radio station and said, I'm, I'm, I'm a DJ from Sweden. Um, uh, I like to talk to, to Swedish Eagle. And after, you know, calling <laughs> for about two months or so, he called me back. And I, I asked him how I could get a job as a DJ in LA. You know, I wanted to be a club DJ, not radio DJ. Mm -hmm. And he told me, you have to be over 21. There's no way. And uh, I told him, I'll send you a cassette. So I did. Uh, and he promised to listen to it and took took another you know month or so before he listened to that. And then he just called me back and said, you know what? On that cassette, there's a medley of Duran Duran. Where did you get that? And I said, you know, it's on, you know, it's the first track on, on, on the cassette because I screwed up a couple of times. And he goes, what? And I said, well, I mixed it. You know, I can't mix faster than 30 seconds of a song. It, that's how long it takes to change the record and, you know, cue this, the, the other one and then, you know, mix it. And he was like, no, uh, you know what? Bring your records, come down to the radio station and show me. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I came in there and people, you know, were, were watching me mix the songs together. And uh, that's the first time I heard about a reel to reel that I actually could stop my mix yeah. and then redo the parts that didn't turn out good and splice them together. And that was, you know, the, like a game changer. And just a couple of days later, the mix was done and I was on, you know, K-Rock introducing the Duran Duran Megamix. And I, I believe it was the number one requested song of 1983. How about that? So that's how I got into K-Rock. So what were you doing before the real to real? You were I, I was just uh, live mixing. So you were just actually changing records. Yeah, like physically yeah. moving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Were you marking yeah. up certain no. area? So you weren't marking up your disc, no, the, the vinyl. No, I, I knew exactly where they were, you know. You knew exactly where to place yeah. the needle. <laughs> so, yeah, I would look at the label sometimes. Yeah. But I would mark, like, the first sound on a vinyl, I would mark with a little, you know, black line usually but not more than that and then then i used the cassette player right and and you know try to pause it on on the beat and then mm -hmm. let it go on the beat yeah and that yeah. sometimes worked sometimes not uh, and i started doing those mixes and i i did uh it was the duran medley the thompson twins medley it was erasure it was the depeche mode medley it was uh, a new order medley did a bunch of those i did the special version for k-rock with rock me amadeus then A&M Records called K-Rock up and said, you know, what version are you playing? <laughs> this song, this song, we, you know, we pressed 40,000 copies of this single and it's not moving. Yeah. And you're yeah. playing something else. And they said, well, that's the Swedish Chris version. And uh, they, they called me down to the old A&M Records on La Brea. Charlie Chaplin Studios. Yeah. And uh, I was in there for two days and did the American edit. And it went number one. Crazy. So where did you get the initial idea to start remixing? Who was your... Who influenced you to do this? I mean, I, I was 13 when I won a DJ contest at, you know, <laughs> like a local, kind of like a YMCA kind of youth uh, place in back in my hometown in Sweden. And I wanted to be a DJ. And there is this guy called Klaus of Jägerstam. <laughs> Klabe mm -hmm. uh, was his name. He was, um, he was doing radio shows or a, kind of like the only DJ radio show that was, uh, that was on, you know, Swedish public service radio. And I wanted to be like him. He used to be the bass player for ABBA. Oh, okay. And uh, he did this show that inspired me, you know, made me want to be a, a DJ. <laughs> so I was practicing at home with a microphone and, and, and a turntable, you know, announcing records. So how old were you when you got on, when you were on the air the first time? I had just turned 17. And that was a strange thing. You know, then, then some of the jocks wanted me to come, come out with them when they did uh, uh, nightclubs and stuff. And they said, you know, we'll bring Swedish Chris and he can play the records. Well, he can't get in. But uh, I started working nightclubs in Sweden when I was uh, 15, getting in the back door, uh, promised just to stay in a DJ booth. Right. <laughs> and I kind of did the same way with, with K-Rock as well. When I, whenever I went with them, nobody asked me. We walked through the back door, uh, stayed in the DJ booth, and then left, <laughs> you know. What did you see on the dance floor? What uh, were you able to, I guess you were able to gauge what, uh, what, what was getting reactions and, you know, like, uh, yeah. you know. But they would let me play. I mean, I yeah. mean, the jocks at K-Rock and it's, you know, usually it was a Swedish Eagle. I mean, he was more interested in ladies, you know, being Swedish Eagle and Richard Blade and, and whoever I, you know, went out with, they just said, you know, Chris, you play the music and I'll take care of the audience. So that was kind of fun. It's perfect. Yeah. Mr. J's in Ilmani and Club Hollywood and Florentine Gardens and uh, the Old Palace. That was fun. So you had family out here in L.A. Is that what, why you moved out here? No, my, my dad came home one day and said, what do you think about moving to America? And I go, well, what do you mean? We had been on a vacation, you know, going to, you know, we went to Disney World and, and stuff. And uh, he just came home and said, I've, I've been offered a job in California. Uh, for a construction company, it's going to be for at least three years. Should the family go or not? You know, let's have, you know, yeah, wow. family vote. And uh, we, we decided to go. My brother moved back just after a couple of years. My sister still lives in Monrovia. And I spent 10 years there, so. You were 15, 16? So they like up. 16 when I came. And that's, that's tough sometimes, you know, moving in. It was tough. Yeah. You know, I came, I came to the crowd at La Cañada High School. 
which is, you know, an, an upper class, you know, certainly is. stuck up. You know, I, I wasn't even an exchange and an exchange student. Nobody showed me anything anywhere. I didn't, you know, it was just me and my brother sitting out in the quad with, you know, knowing nobody and nobody talked to us until I got on K-Rock and we had this school dance and they introduced me as Swedish Chris from K-Rock. And nobody knew I was, you know, the next week I was Mr. DJ at La Canada High. Everyone wants to be your friend. Yeah. Suddenly it's revealed Peter Parker is Spider-Man. You're, uh, you know. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, do you have tickets for Duran Duran? Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean? Can you take me out? You mean for tickets to Duran Duran? No. (laughs) And band reactions? I mean, you got played on on K-Rock. So I would imagine, you know, Duran Duran hears this and, uh, you know, they want to... Yeah, I have, I have on, on my wall here, I have the mix I did for Pet Shop Boys. It says, two Swedish Chris, all the best, and thanks for a brilliant mix, uh, Neil Tennant, Chris Lowe. Yes, you know, things like that. I have. I just realized I saw a clip on YouTube when um, Spanda Ballet was at the old K-Rock studio in 85, I think. And uh, you can see me peek out the door in that video, and I still have the cover signed by all the you know band members. Shared the bathroom together with Adamant. Yeah. Uh, answered the request line with Bono. Uh, I was t- I was too young to under actually understand. I was just an intern. I came in in the afternoons. I was allowed to you know answer the request line and write some requests and stuff. And that was it. You know. It's probably better that way. I think to come in not really knowing anything because then you're you're not jaded. You're just you know you're just you and everything is genuine. Everything that comes out is genuine. Yeah, and, and we were kind of told to respect the artists. Just, you know, if they walk up and talk to you, that's, you know, that's fine. But sometimes, you know, somebody would walk by and we would go, Who, who's that? I don't know. That's some new band. That guy looked weird. You know, he's a singer of, you know, whatever. So, But yeah, it sounds like you're more, you're more focused on the work. I was a music nerd. I, you know. Yeah. I would hang out at Pubas in, in Pasadena trying to get my hands on the first imports that got in, you know. On a particular day of the week, so Freddie Snakeskin was the PD, right at the at that time. Not Rick Carroll. Rick Carroll was okay. Rick Carroll was the was the P PD, and um, and Larry Groves was the music director. Okay. Scott Mason was head of engineering. Uh, Snakeskin was doing afternoons, I think. Yeah. Like three, yeah, three and, to seven. And Jed was doing evenings and Dusty Street midday. So you would do road trips with, with the music director, Larry Groves, or what? Uh, no, 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 no. Or you just no. go out on your own and just uh, no, dig, no. dig through the, the piles of poobahs? Yeah. 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 I just wanted, you know, I found a bunch of stuff. And then Eagle was, was one of the, he was also, you know, very into imports and trying to find the hottest songs first. And he was on the air, so he, you know, he played all this stuff, but... I got my foot in at, at a nightclub called Maryland's in Pasadena, and that was a teen club where it was 16 and up. Uh, so Perfect. that's where I started DJing at least once a week, which was great. And uh, then I needed all these records. So I, I spent all my money on records. We are going to talk about 1984. I gave you a, a, a list of songs, uh, songs 40 to 31. We're going to count down. I have a feeling you might have remixed a couple of these uh, these songs, and so you might uh, have some some nice insight into uh, into the well, into we, what we, we're talking uh, about here. Yeah, simple simple minds. I did a medley uh, with waterfront in it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so how explain uh, uh, these mega remixes? Because is it kind of like Back in, I think in the 70s, we had this, there was a top 10 song called Stars on 45, 
where it was like yeah. it was like a medley of songs that just kind of morphed one one after the other kind of segue but that med that medley was played and it had a backtrack with the beat yes okay. i did that it's just the original recordings blended together and i figured out a way to set the actual speed of the song so I could actually also, as close as I could, try to get them in tune. Right, okay, because they're all in different keys. actually find parts of the songs where there were no uh, key, if you will. It was just drums or stuff, and and try to use the breaks to blend them together. So it's it's basically a medley of of one band. I met Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe at, at here in Sweden when they had a concert a few years ago, and they told me about an interview they did with Richard Blade about how the Pet Shop Boys medley became the, the, the kind of promo tool for the entire album, the Please album. Wow. Because I, I used so many songs from the Please album, so basically a lot of listeners got exposed to so many songs off of the album, so it All took right. off. So that was fun to hear. I had no idea. They, I didn't even know that they knew about me. I think that might have been what you were asking, how it works. When you do a mix, so so say you're at K-Rock and you do a mix, a, a Pet Shop Boys mix, yeah. here's it, and they'll come to you. I, I always wondered, like, with rights and is there we're, ever any... We're not releasing anything. I mean, we're, it's, it's not, it becomes an artwork. And even back yeah. then, it was, you know, nobody told the radio station they, they couldn't cut a, a song short. Nobody told the radio station they couldn't segue two songs together. Yeah. Well, I just segued... 12 Duran Duran songs in 10 minutes. So why should they care? It's just, you know, the original recording, uh, we play the songs, it's just that we blend them together. And it, they were generally 10 minutes? How long were the, was the mega mix? The medleys were like 10 minutes. Yeah. 
and k-rock played all 10 minutes yeah yeah that's crazy I, like at any time of the day like <laughs> any time of the day yeah. the duran mix they played like three four times a day that's amazing <laughs> they could do no wrong back then so yeah you play more duran duran for 10 minutes i mean i'm sure k-rock was like great we you play yes, duran duran 24 yes. hours a day if we could <laughs> yes. okay so as you can hear we're really excited to talk to swedish chris about his days at k-rock and we're going to get more into talk about his past talk about the music um but you know you gotta take a break once in a while so let's do that and we'll be right back Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast with our special guest, Swedish Chris. Number 40 is Simple Minds Waterfront. What, what's your opinion? Uh, how, how do you feel about Simple Minds? Were you exposed to them through your mix? Was that the first time or had you heard of them before? No, no, no. I, I, uh, I fell in love with the um, uh, Love Song all the way back in 81. That was the first time I heard about uh, oh, okay. Simple Minds. And... Uh, uh, one of my all-time favorite albums is New Gold Dream. Okay, it yeah. It is an amazing yeah. album. And I was actually a little bit disappointed when Sparkle in the Rain came out. The melodies weren't as strong. I've always loved strong melodies. I also felt like, for example, Waterfront had a bass line. It was just doon, 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 nothing happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Waterfront is not a, one of my favorite Simple Mind songs, but they're definitely one of my, my you know, favorite 80s bands of all time or of, of 80s yeah
Yeah, I would yeah. imagine doing these mega mixes, you you kind of were looking for the hook immediately that you can put into these things. Is that yeah? Is that the Waterfront w- doesn't really have a hook. I just recently, right before the pandemic, kind of closed everything down in in March of last year. I went to see Simple Minds in Stockholm. It was a great concert. You know, two days later, they closed everything down. So that was your last yeah. show. So that was the last that show. Was, that was ask. the last show before the pandemic. Absolutely. We always ask. I have everything by Simple Minds. Do you? Okay. Apparently, according to Chris, it's still they still got it. So I'm not, they're still alive and kicking. They're still alive and kicking. Well, it's, it's oh, not like this. it's not. It's, you know, you know, Jim Kerr is doing the best he can, but it's not like seeing Mick Jagger still on stage. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I, mean, I w- Jim is still younger, but. But he had a hard time keeping up for, you know, a two-hour show. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I would imagine, though, like, watch if I saw the band, I would be shocked. At, even because I didn't buy their albums, I would be like, oh, I know this song. Oh, I know this one. Oh, yeah, this one is a great song, too. You know, it's just, I'm sure it's like a greatest hits type uh, type of thing, especially now, later in, in life, uh, you know, as they go through their catalog. Yeah, but they've made some, some new albums as well. Yeah. yeah. They just released, a, you know, an album a couple of years ago. I think there's a new one coming up too. Do you care if a, a band like Simple Minds releases new music? Is this important to you? Yeah, I do. But I usually get disappointed that it's not as good as it was back then. That's always, you know, the the, the, the tricky part. Either, you know, either you try to sound like you did back then so you get your old fans back, but that means that your sound is pretty dated. <laughs> compared to the other stuff today. Or if you go with the times and you kind of update your music, you, you're going to lose your old fans and maybe not get new ones because they don't have a relationship to, to where, whatever you did back then. Depeche Mode is a band that, that actually, you know, done great going through the, de- the decades. Sure. They- um, but other bands just, you know, it just doesn't work. It, it is it's not only... It is not only the the type of instruments you use and the way you know the chord progression and all of these things. Uh, it is it becomes a, a difference in songwriting even between the eighties and and uh, and today. Yeah. Uh, so so I mean even if you I mean you you can use today a lot of artists use the old eighty sounds, but right. even if you know the the sounds themselves are old they make it sound new because the chord progression and the, and the songwriting is different and more up to date. For sure. Are you familiar with St. Vincent? Do you like her? She's got this, this new album that's coming out. It's called daddy's home. It's like an ode to the seventies. It's, it's like, sounds like the seventies, but it's in 20, 2021. It's, no, I haven't heard that. Oh, okay. Heard. Yeah. You might look into what she's doing. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a huge fan of hers, but, uh, and and she's kind of touched on exactly what you were talking about, like, you know, looking yeah. back, but also moving forward as well. It's tricky. All right. Uh, someone who continually pushed forward. And I, I wonder if you have a mega mix of Prince. I mean, this is the song number 39 is When Doves Cry, the greatest Not song. Not a mega mix. I mean, he's, yeah. he, Prince's songs are too difficult to blend together. They're brilliant pieces of art. A lot of other songs in, you know, that bands make, you know, they, they, they usually have a, a similar theme and orchestration throughout, you know, not only album by album, but, you know, album to album. But Prince changes everything. Yeah. Every time. It is, it is so difficult. I mean, if you take 1999 going to Purple Rain, going to uh, Sign of the Times, they're all different. And they're really, really tricky to put, you know, 
together in some way. And he doesn't use drum machines and time coding in the same way. So the tempo drifts all over the place. They've tried, so, it sounds like. There are no records, you know, that I know of that you can easily segue together by Prince. Yeah. Sign of the Times, I think, is a good example. But uh, the other songs are all over, all over the place. Probably intentional on Prince's part. <laughs> well, I, I think, I mean, he he played the music and it wasn't important that, you know, you, that you should keep 110 BPM throughout a song. If he wanted to increase the tempo of the song for the chorus to kind of pick up the energy of the song, he would do that. And the DJs would go crazy. So. <laughs> he did a remix of When Doves Cry. He's done remixes of, you know, for Erotic City, but same the, thing. But, there, but there is no really good remix of When Doves Cry. There are some great drums in that song, and I wish there was a break somewhere, but <laughs> it's not. It's not. I even tried to re-edit the song to get a, like a long break in the middle, and it, I finally got it, but it's, you know, I wish I just had the drums. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, Prince is one of the artists that you wish that you could listen to the 24 track or 48 track or whatever he used and just listen to how the different pieces go together. It's, it's a magic act. It's just. It is. It is. <laughs> you also commented that you think that this is the, that When Devs Cry is the best song from the 80s. Is it's the best, your favorite Prince song or. I, I mean, I know it blew my, my 17 year old years just my mind when i the first time i heard that i would put it at the top i didn't know that i just learned something new about you favorite (laughs) can you pick a favorite prince song it's this one or 1999 i would say but this one also blew my mind oh i I got the promo single from swedish eagle oh that was purple vinyl i've got yeah i've got the purple single yeah but yeah I i actually remember like when i was in the car like the exact position i was like where i was I was on Victory Boulevard when it first came on the air on Kiss FM, and I almost stopped the car. Like, you know, I was a fan of Prince, but I was like, "What? Wait, what's happening? What is it?" That was like one of the first things I, I remember hearing. Like the upon first hearing it, where it's like, "Oh, this is a game changer right here." You know, even as a but, as a kid, like this is this is just insane. But for K Rock, Prince wasn't always a given. No, I, I'm. We it, are shocked he um, played this. So were you you were there at the t- in eighty four? What was there a discussion yeah, yeah. of whether Prince is uh, is K Rock uh, worthy? This was this song I think was was just too good. Yeah. It was just too good. It had those uh, what is it Simmons drums or Lynn drums or whatever. Uh, yeah, it had a different sound than the nineteen ninety nine album. It was less R and B ish, if you will, a little more rocky. Yeah. Well, that was yeah. that was it because he was he had a, a mainstream movie coming out, so he was trying to be one step yeah. ahead and yet still be mainstream. Yeah, but the big hit uh, for K Rock was Erotic City. That was the one they played over and over again. They that blew my mind when I when I heard it the first time. The, yeah, K Rock loved flipping over the uh, looking to the B side, as we will discuss in a, in a uh, short <laughs> while. Oh, sure, this song is good, but let's see what's on the other side. Let's play that, and then let's play it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Let's go to number 38. This is Blamage. Don't <laughs> don't tell me I don't get Blamage, but you know, it sounds like the, like they're trying to impersonate the Pesh mode to me. This is the third of three songs from 1984. You must have yeah. uh, you must have been working with them in a little bit. It was the first radio interview I did with an artist. Yeah. Uh, as I remember it, uh, they came to K-Rock and I could 
make you know of an interview for for Swedish radio for for a short while, and I really like Blamange. Yeah, uh, Living on the Ceiling was a big hit, and I loved that kind of Indian. Asian Indian kind of the use sitars and the, the tabla drums in all of their songs, more or less. They had some kind of you know theme going through uh, uh, their music, but it's true they never really had a big hit. But I wouldn't compare it to to Depeche Mode. There weren't enough synthesizers. It fit K Rock very well and gave them some cred, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you know, working with Radio Today, we sometimes call songs for fillers. We know they're not going to break big but they're good songs and they you know you play them for a while and then they you know disappear i don't think anyone is going to put you know games above my head or or don't tell me on you know the pop compilation from the 80s single you know speculate as to why you don't think they they made it bigger i think they were too kind of artsy to you know you need you need that hook i mean don't you want me by human league ding 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 you know depeche mode just can't get enough you you have so many songs that have that hook living on the ceiling has kind of a, a, a great melody you know but none of the other songs where's the melody and don't tell me a lot of the 80s songs, a lot of the 80s songs, you know, they, they had the chorus and then following the chorus came the melody. Uh, yeah. And they usually put the melody in the, you know, the beginning of the song, then came the verse, then came the chorus, and then they came the melody. But no, they didn't. So they had, they didn't have that hook. I guess that's true, but that, that's a lot, you know, for th- three songs, Dave, right? This year? Yeah, no, was, But I guess that was it. But like you said, they kind of fit, they fit into the K-Rock sound. So let's yeah. let's yeah. keep playing it. Um, they're still kicking, actually. They they released an album uh, last year called Mindset. They have a, an ambient album that actually came out this, this year that's available. Yes, they said, we're excited to announce the third installment in Blamage's exploration of ambient music and imaginary film soundtracks. Nil by Mouth 3 will be released as a limited edition CD, 1,000 copies, uh, and that came out in March. All copies will be signed by Neil Arthur. And still available, 16 bucks if you want uh, if you want to get one of those. I guess I should ask also ask, have you ever tried the dessert, Blamage? It's, no. It's a, uh, do you know what it is? It's a it's a French uh, yeah. milky kind of. Yes, exactly what no, it sounds I like. Haven't, I haven't tried it. No. Uh, yeah, sweet dessert commonly made with milk or cream and sugar, thickened with rice flour, gelatin, cornstarch, and often flavored with almonds. Lavage. Yeah. Have you tried it? No. Okay, enough dessert talk. Let's keep moving. Here we go. Uh, number 37, In Excess, Burn For You. What do we think of In Excess, the band? They're one of the biggest bands, I, you know, still. So many hits. 
this one not that big. I mean, they're they're bigger and better songs by by in excess. Such a tragic thing that uh, Michael Hutchins passed away. Big loss for pop, and I think you know that they're they're one of the best K rock bands, and I I think K rock made the band more or less, getting them into the states. It's no use pretending that I understand the hide and seek with buried facts. It changes on demand. This is my favorite in excess song. You know, we, we've had this discussion before. I can't, while you guys can pinpoint, you know, Chris, you talk about melodies and, and to me, music, it, it grabs you or it doesn't. I actually did a remix, not of, of in excess, but of an artist called Los Neto. It's called Dance to the Music. It didn't become a big hit, but we, uh, me and my, my friend Boris, we ripped off the melody in Burn For You. And, it, and Burn For You has a really good melody, but it's only like in one or two places of the song. If they would have put that somewhere else in the song, like in the beginning of the song, and then again, again, after the chorus, uh, this song, I think, should have, you know, would have been better, bigger. You see how the, damaged I am? I know. To listening to music. Yeah. Did you, I pick everything apart. <laughs> have you produced before? Uh, not from the beginning, no. no not try. okay. No, but a lot of remixes where you try to go in, you know, where is the actual... Where is the melody hidden? Yeah. And how yeah. can you bring that out? I did a remix of uh, Paul Abdul straight up, and uh, it's the flute. The yeah. That's just a corporate progression. We play that over and over and over and over yeah. and over again the song. Nice. Yeah. I think you should go back and listen to this, uh, this, this swing, this album. Yeah, I know you said this is one of your favorite albums, uh, NXS yeah. albums. And it's your favorite NXS song. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah. Which is amazing. Okay. Yeah, I know. Who knows? I, I Who can't knows? I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. I'm not apologizing. No, you shouldn't. One guy who does know melody is uh, number 36, Howard Jones, What is Love? I mean, he knows a hook. So he's asking the musical question, what is love? Chris, can you please answer, what is love? How many artists have a song called What is Love? <laughs> I mean, there's got to be plenty of them. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's what all songs come down to, basically. Like, what, what is, is love? love? What is love? love? How am I supposed to live? You know? Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There's nothing to do with it. Uh, I like how deep is your love? I mean, there are a lot of musical questions, but he does answer. Um, I was looking at the lyrics. It starts off actually kind of stocky in that he says, I love you whether or not you love me. I love you even if you think that I don't. Sometimes I find that you doubt my love for you, but I don't mind. Why should I mind? What is love anyway? So then he, and then, you know, so he asks the question and he says, uh, can anybody love anyone so much that they will never fear, never worry, never be sad? And here we go. The answer is they cannot love this much. Nobody can. This is why I don't mind you doubting. So, you know, get, getting a little philosophical inside a pop song. And, and and all we heard was this pop song. <laughs> right. I know. It's a, exactly. But that right. That's always but, what I hear. And then and, and you associate it just with the with the, the chorus. Whatever the chorus says is what you think the song is about, but it's not necessarily true. 
the bad thing about having a, a great hook, you know, people don't really pay attention to the lyrics because they love the hook. Yeah. Just give me the song. What are they singing about? I didn't. Uh, I don't know. Usually, you know, when it comes to ballads, that's when you really, you know, oh, listen to that's the lyrics. Right. <laughs> How am I supposed to live without you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's the same thing. Like, uh, like another song from 1984 was uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. And everyone was just saying, you know, like a patriotic song, Born in the USA. And even our, our president, Ronald Reagan, thought, oh, you know. This is the most American song you could uh, you could uh, think of. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen actually came like this is not what you think it is, Mr. President. It was uh, it was, was it was the hook that, that that drew in Ronald Reagan. And yeah. <laughs> so now we know what is what is love anyway. It's basically every single pop song is what is love. What I really enjoy and what I think is 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 so much fun is when in my work today I'm you know I'm CEO of, of four radio stations in Sweden two of which are national. And I get to meet some of these artists again. And just to mention K-Rock and whatever happened at K-Rock during the 80s, like talking to Howard Jones, they instantly remember everything. They go, oh, yeah, oh, I remember mm. this and I remember that. And I and what about this guy? Is he still around? And, you know, that connection is, to me, it's uh, worth so much more today than it was back then. I was just a... Yeah you know, kid hanging around the station. Truly is world famous. It is. It is. <laughs> but that's the best, as we said, it's because you, you, you don't want to know that you're making history back then because you're just, you're living it without any other pretense. Yeah. Great yeah. stuff. Uh, Did he still have the hair? Did he still have some kind he of was, hair? Was when I saw him, he was bald, bald. So I'm assuming that he's bald. Completely. No, no, he has hair. Really? All right. Yeah. I don't know. When I, I saw him, it's maybe it was. Then he shaved it. For a while then. Maybe that, yeah, maybe that was the look and it grew back. Okay. Yeah, he had good hair. At least I think he did. You know what? Yeah, you you hear the music and you're tired and you just, you look out at the stage and you see what the guy looked like in 84, not what he looks like today. So sometimes I'll close my eyes and just like, oh, the voice sounds exactly the same. (laughs) And then you look up on stage like, who is that singing in that impersonating Howard Jones? I thought that with Casey and the Sunshine Band. I saw that oh. with Casey and the Sunshine Band <laughs> many years ago, but also past their prime. And I I would prefer to have closed my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Love them. Loved it still, but, you know, they sounded great. Of course. We're going to go to a B-side song from the Thompson Twins. The song is called Passion Planet. This was the B-side to You Take Me Up. Were you familiar with this with this song, Passion Planet? I know you you probably remember. Absolutely. You, yeah. Absolutely. And I also know why they pay, played Passion Planet, because uh, You Take Me Up was too slow. Oh, yeah. They came oh. out with Hold Me Now, and I think they, they followed it up with You Take Me Up. Right. And then came Lay All Your Love on Me, whatever it was called. Lay, lay Your Hands on Me, yeah. They played so uh, many. And they thought Passion Planet was a more fun song. Yeah. 
from the first album, they also played We Are Detectives, which is a, a very weird song. Yeah. Yeah, because You Take Me Up only made it up to num- number 92 on the K-Rock charts. But uh, the B-side, here we are at uh, you know number 35, and there's Passion Planet. I'm swimming around the ceiling, high above the floor. I talk to the touch, I want a giggle, let's do some more. Surprised by what I'm feeling, spinning through the door. I talk a touch, I want a giggle, let's do some more. No other radio station played this song. No. And it's hard to get to. Before they came out with all the compilations and and, and, uh, before streaming audio, it was almost impossible to get hold of. But my favorite, I have to say this, my favorite, here it comes, (laughs) B-side with Thompson Twins is Out of the Gap. Was that a B-side? That's the the B-side of Sisters of Mercy, which is a ballad that came out on a 12-inch. And on the back side of that one is Out of the Gap. That's the medley of Thompson Twins that I did together with Swedish Eagle. That's the first oh, record oh. I got released in the States. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, and it was a guy called Dave German at Arista Records that loved the mix that we had on K-Rock. And he said, we're going to put that out. And then I came to Sweden that summer. It must have been back in 84 or if it was summer of 85. No, summer of 84. And I... I'm listening to Radio Luxembourg, which which was the only pan-European radio station that you could listen to across Europe. And they had this chart show once a week where they played, you know, the hottest music in Europe. And they played my medley, Mm. (laughs) which was, to me, that was, it was so big. And it's on the B-side. And it is available. uh, It's the only mega mix I did that, that is out. Officially on on vinyl and streaming services. B-side too. Oh, we're able to hear it. It's on Spotify, Spotify or Apple Spotify. Music. Yeah, instead of "Into the Gap," which was the name of the album, it's "Out of the Gap" because it contained so many songs from that album. And think about it: there are no drum machines, there is no sync code, nothing. It's all done with vinyl records by mm. hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's really cool. 
in Swedish Eagle's old apartment in Pasadena. Oh, nice. He recorded this all, or this was all done in in some little apartment in Pasadena. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Two turntables nice. and the and the record. I, I mean, you can even hear the cracks in some of the records. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, this next, uh, we have another NXS song, and actually, I do really like this song. Uh, I send a message. Because I, I, I guess I like it in that you know I hear I it's the melody like you say you say the title and I already know the song you know I already know the the melody of the song. What do you think of this one, Chris? I think it's a great song. Yeah. It is uh, definitely uh, one of the stronger songs from from this album. Did you follow bands from like did matter where a band was from? Like oh, this is a band from Australia. This this is kind of unique. Like what? Not, There's so many you not, know. I start thinking not really. You never think about bands in no. terms of country if it influences the music in some way of course you, you start looking where where's this band coming from but usually if you know bands coming from australia ca- uh, canada or or the uk or the us it's it, it really doesn't matter it's you know yeah you can hear the british english you know cutting through sometimes but mostly you know it doesn't matter I, I will be curious if the band is from from germany or france or you know some some non-english speaking country uh, then it's more interesting, but it never really mattered. I mean, some of the bands I I don't even think I knew where they came from. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's move it. Keep moving. This artist Billy Idol. You ever heard of this guy? The song's "Catch My Fall." What uh, What do you think of Mr. Idol? I love him. Yeah. I mean, he deserves more more cred than he he has. I mean, I think I think Billy Idol falls right in between what was new wave and what was rock. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the girls wouldn't put, put him up on the wall as a poster because he wasn't cute enough or if he, he had this kind of like always, you know, his fist and his angry face. Uh, they rather put, you know, some of the guy, guys from Spanda Ballet or Duran Duran on the wall. And, and the rockers, it was, it was too synthy. It was too right. kind of popish, right. and you way wish for, for the, the rock audience. So he was kind of right in between. He's one of the very few kind of rockish new wave artists of of the 80s if it would have gone either way he might have been a a bit more popular but i wouldn't say he wasn't popular i think he has so many great songs white wedding rebel yell hot in the city there are some great songs even later blue highway yeah Yeah. well if it it was right in the pocket for holly you i think you touched on it exactly he was not rock he was not pop but he kind of Put them, put them both together, and just dangerous enough for Holly is what I'm not heavy metal dangerous, but uh, but pop, pop rock, punk, is a good mixture, right? I mean, is that uh, did I touch on that? I that's funny you say it. I yes, 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 and yes, but I did have him on my wall. (laughs) That was the selling point. I mean, it wasn't just the music; it was the look of Billy Idol. It was his personality. He sold a lot of that music based on. Being Billy Idol, that was his brand. I mean, if yeah. you know, I'm sure you love Billy Idol because you know, like, oh, a new song by Billy Idol. There's Billy Idol being Billy Idol. That's what you wanted, right? And and connecting back to K Rock, uh, I remember him riding in on his motorcycle in the back parking lot of K Rock. And I mean, in in what other way would he make an entrance? Right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. The the duo, we, we've talked about this before when talking about Billy Idol, the duo of Billy Idol and Steve Stevens, to me, that was very appealing. I love the guitar. He's another, you know, recognizable guitar, guitar sound. Those two were a good partnership. That was, uh, yeah. you know, like Steve Tyler, Joe Perry type thing. 
you need uh, your David Lee Roth and your Eddie Van Halen to make it work. And I, I think he found a good partner with Steve Stevens. <laughs> I have the time, so I will sing, yeah. I'm just a boy, but I will win, yeah. Lost some of lovers, fellow travelers. Yeah, leave me sad and hollow I'll have a word It could happen to you So think for yourself If I should stumble We were talking about Billy Idol being a, a brand and making it a look. Number 32 is by Animotion and their song, Obsession. Vi- Did you watch the video where they're all dressing up? They're trying to figure out their look or something. I don't know what's going on. This, this video, <laughs> the video is a mess. The song is, I don't know. It, it just, I know it was a big hit, but it just everything about this just drives me crazy. Do you know that it's a cover song? <laughs> really? Okay, they didn't even write the song, so they're <laughs> no, 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 no. The song, the song was written by Holly Knight, and she's. Oh, I mean, she wrote I do the best. Love is a battlefield. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bunch of great songs. So the songwriting in the, in this song is 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 excellent, and she put it out together with some. I forgot his name. Uh, uh, Michael Debar. Yeah. You are an obsession. I cannot sleep. I am a possession. No balance, no equality. Be still, I will not accept defeat. I will have you, yes, I will have you. I will find a way, and I will have you. Like a butterfly, oh, a butterfly. I will let you and capture you. You are an obsession, you're my synthesizer and i think it's like right. very energetic i think it's a great song I, I, it really is but i can but understand why right. it was a the hit video, the video is is so bad <laughs> like they went through a closet of uh you know some sort of wardrobe at a studio like what do you want to wear i let's just wear everything i don't know you want to medieval I'll be a Roman. yeah i'll be the roman <laughs> Fun for them not so interesting for the viewer but yeah, no, I, and, and this was their only hit too, I think. No, actually they did have, I don't have the book with me, but they had, um, right. they, in 1990, they had another hit. Holly, could you have access to the web? Do uh, you want- room to, is it Room to Move? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. I don't think K-Rock played the Room to Move song, but that, but that was another 
I think that was it, like another top 10 hit or something, something like that. Yeah, number nine yeah. in the U.S. They did live to see another hit. Wow. I'm sure they're still playing the revival uh, circuit somewhere, you know, when, when when everything opens up. And here's our song one more time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the difference, and I meant to make that point when we were talking about Howard Jones. It's a marked difference between someone like that, like Howard Jones, and these 80s, you know, these 80s shows where the bands are playing, you know, two or three songs. I would like to see a full Howard Jones set. You know, but some of these others, you know, like Bow Wow Wow, I'm good to see, you know, I want candy <laughs> and, yeah. and be done. This is a song that's still played today. I, I'm sure people think fondly on, on this song. Um, it's, I, mean, I think it's, again, it's because it's a well-written song. Yeah. It is. Yes. Very catchy. Our final song. This is one that I think this is aged well. This is by OMD. The song is Locomotion. I think it still holds up well today. Well, um, where where are you on this, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not so much okay when I, when I saw when I saw we were going to talk about this song I said no this is one of my favorite bands and I went to see them just you know before the pandemic too because right now there's, there's there are so many bands from the 80s going around Europe uh, before the pandemic that is yeah. uh, and and I saw OMD in a, in a small club here in Stockholm but Locomotion is I think it's one of their worst songs <laughs> okay <laughs> And, and and actually the you know I I was with the band when they came out with Enola Gay, like early early eighties, uh, and I I think Junk Culture was their worst album. Also Tesla Girls is like they kind of I felt like they they lost it on that album. But there are so many so many other great songs they've made through the years. But but no, Locomotion is not one of them. Not not break our tie. Break the, Is this a good song or a bad song, Holly? This is not my favorite. Ah, oh, all right, OMD fine. song. It's not. I, it's not. I. I do like Enola Gay, but I'm all over the map. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm all over the map with them. Um, I also love Tesla Girls, which I think we talked about earlier in the countdown. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not one of my favorites. Crossing um, the ocean for the sake of local. You know, I think that's because that's my earworm right there, and, I, and that's that's all it takes. Yeah, but then, then so, you get the next part. Cross in the ocean, <laughs> take a All right, I believe that. So that's a slight exaggeration, my friend. I, I... <laughs> then, okay. then I, I know the band themselves didn't like these songs because when they were in, uh, was, what is it, Pretty in Pink. Oh, John Hughes movies. Love, it, yeah. Was it in a movie? Was it Locomotion in? Yeah, I know them. They, did, they didn't like making those, those songs themselves. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because they thought it was too pop. But those songs are iconic 80s songs. Yeah. As well as the early synthesizer stuff they did on their first albums. They're all great. And they're still making great stuff today. Right. You were talking about that the song actually, you know, you know, stood through time. But their new stuff sounds like the old stuff, but it's updated. This yeah. is one of the yeah. bands that I feel been, you know, been able, just like Depeche Mode, been able to kind of keep their sound but make it, you know, today. Yeah, that's so what we kind of touched on. There's a song called, an album and a song called Punishment of Luxury, which is a great example of what they sound like today, which still immediately brings you back to their sound back in the 80s, but it's fresh.
Houston, that like, if you leave, it, we're talking about if you leave, right? Yeah. That they didn't like. They told did me. they like the outcome? You said they didn't like doing it? Well, their hardcore fans didn't like what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they became kind of too pop. And all of a sudden they were in this big, huge blockbuster movie singing about, you know, love instead of genetic engineering and telegraphs and electricity and whatever yeah. they, you know, yeah. you know. And so I guess, uh, you know, they wouldn't play the songs at a concert if they didn't like them. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah that's true. I mean, yeah, some bands embrace it. I, the Cure was a perfect example of a band that was dark and all of a sudden they start singing Friday I'm in love and but then they still play them to this day and I think they yeah. I think they embrace both parts of the the yin and yang of of their their early days to uh to what they morphed into but it, it's like Depeche Mode trying to get through a concert without playing just can't get enough yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes. can't do that yeah. why would you even oh, consider they, that come on they, they must hate that song <laughs> I I don't know I think a lot of bands now Probably at one point they were tired of it, and uh, but then they realized, like, you know what, this, you know, Paul McCartney's always going to sing Hey Jude. It's just, it brings people so much joy to hear these these songs. That one in particular, like, just can't get enough. Like, you just, they, I think they just see the joy in, in, their, in the audience when they play that now. Maybe, like, five years after the song, you know, they played it at every show. Like, we, oh, do we have to play this song again? But uh, but now, you know, like, I think time time is a good uh indicator of how well a song is aged uh chris have you ever interviewed them depeche mode no uh i met them uh, a few times but i spent a night at k-rock together with vince clark talking about synthesizers nice which was like one of my so that's greatest memories erasure was playing at the palace in hollywood and after the show they were going to k-rock to record an interview with swedish eagle so they find out that, that I'm going to K-Rock too. And I had this small little VW Scirocco, which was kind of a sports oh, yeah. version of the, the bug. Yeah. And they asked me if they can, if, if I'll give them a ride. Yeah. So I say, sure. sure. So Vince Clark and anybody climbs into the, the back seat of this small little tiny car. Yeah. And I drive them down to K-Rock, followed by, you know, 20 other cars down to K-Rock in Burbank. They were in Burbank uh, at that time. And then they went up, they did their interview, and they hung around the radio station. And I ended up talking synthesizers with with Vince Clark for about two hours. You know, different presets and how to get different sounds and how they worked on this record. And, and to me, you know, yeah, you know cool. loving making music and, you know, and with the Pesh Mode and Razor being some of my favorite bands, this was a dream come true. I'll never forget it. Yeah, it's like sitting with uh, Clayton Kershaw on how to uh, how to throw a curveball or something. Like you know, someone you've <laughs> admired, or like Michael Jordan teaching you the jump shot. It's like you know, that's uh, that's very cool. That especially you know, a fan. I, I've been. What, I've been what so was the thing you've taken away that you took away from that two hour conversation? That I had the best synthesizer module at home already, which was the. MKS-50, Roland MKS-50, which is the rack mount version of the Juno 2 synthesizer. Uh, he said, you know, you can do more incredible things than you than, than you think with this little, you know, module. And you really can. Uh, there are so many sounds in that little thing that you just have to, to experiment. So he validated you. Well, I basically used the presets. 
he told me, don't use the presets, go in there and experiment. That was the big takeaway from it. You know, you, you need to modulate the different things. Lessons from a pro. That's, that's amazing. That's yeah. great. Yeah. He probably wanted to travel. He was probably tired of travel with the entourage. That's probably why he stepped into your, your car. Like, all right, here's a, I, I have no, I, I never thought of that. You know, yeah. how did yeah. they, were they going to, you know, grab a cab or. Yeah. yeah, rock stars don't magically transport from one place to another. They they have to they get in cars just like you and I. In the backseat of my little truck. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that works just the same as you know, it's a limo. This is this has been so much fun. This is really cool. Thank you yeah, so much, really. Chris, for for stepping into our virtual studios and and doing this. Um, this was so fun. Yeah. Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to mention? <laughs> what? Uh, how? Well, I can plug one thing. If you got Spotify. My playlist on Spotify and on Apple Music. Just look for Swedish Chris. All my playlists are top 101. They're top 101 of something. So I have the top 101 of the K-Rock flashback, which is basically my favorite songs from the, the, the time period where when I was at K-Rock. I left K-Rock at, I think it was uh, late 85, beginning of 86, because I got asked to do the mixes on Power 106. And that's when Boris and Chris started doing... Uh, uh, the mix shows and the power mixes some power. I remember Eagle was so disappointed that I left. I mean, it took six months and power was number one. Yeah. And I, I remember at that time, K-Rock started playing remixes as well. Like they were trying to compete with power at the time, play these extended yeah, it was, remixes. It was Boris and me doing all the, the yeah, all yeah. the mixes and the dancing Saturday night and the club mixes. And, and that got us into all the nightclubs and, you know, we've, did mixes for Jody Watley, for Bobby Brown, Paul Abdul. It, it was such a great time. Yeah. I have all my top 101s on, on, on Spotify and on Apple Music. So just look for Swedish Chris. Swedish Chris. It was so nice to see you. Thank you so much yeah. for doing this. I'm so... Oh, I... thank, thank you for asking me. Yeah, thank I you. I mean, it's too f much fun to talk about the old times. <laughs> it, it was great, a great part of my life. So I'm, I'm really proud of it too. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Master yeah. curator, master remixer. Thank you so much for, for joining us. This is so much. Thank, thank you for having me. All right. Another episode in the books. How do you feel about it, Holly? I feel like that was one for the ages. Really? You're going you're gonna to make this an ages episode? I think this should be an ages episode. This is going into the, uh, the archives. Into the archives. In the What Difference Does It Make Museum. Yes. He was a great guest. He was, you know, he's obviously knowledgeable at the music and comes to it from a different, you know, with a different perspective as someone who does remixes. Yeah, story is amazing. And I, I mean, it's, it's great. Thank you, Holly, for bringing him in. It's nice to get an international flavor into our podcast. We've been talking to local people and uh, getting their feedback, but this is the first time uh, on our countdown that we're looking at someone who... Although he spent a lot of time at K-Rock, he has this Swedish background, so uh, it's kind of a unique perspective uh, on this music. If you loved what you heard, five stars. If you want to learn more about what difference does it make, what uh, what should someone do about that, Holly? You should follow us on social media. On Facebook, WDDIM Podcast. Same on Twitter and Instagram, WDDIM Podcast. And check us out on YouTube. We're putting up lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, we've got lots of fun stuff up there. So check us out at the What Difference Does It Make podcast on YouTube. You can go to our website where you can also sign up for our newsletter at WDDIMpodcast.com. Also, thanks to Pantheon Podcast. We are a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family. And until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 